as I thought about where we are as a church and with the opportunities that are ahead of us with summer and all of the uh, summer becomes a very outreach and missions oriented time here at Trinity as we seek to touch our community, our Jerusalem, and then our Judea, our state, and the uttermost parts of the world. And I also, as I was praying about this day, thought about those who were at a transition time in life, at, at, a, at a graduation, or maybe facing another opportunity in life. And, and so I, I chose the text that many of you are very familiar with, to speak on God's missional will for your life. God's missional will for your life. And the text is Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. So let's find our text in Acts chapter 16 and stand as we read these five verses. And ask the Lord to begin to speak into your life concerning His missional will for your life. It says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Magia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Magia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul, In the night, a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with them, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Father, we thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul being so willing to walk right in your will, wherever that took him. I pray that you would give us the courage to do the same same thing today, but Lord, also the wisdom to know what that will is. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm sure that at many a graduation service across this nation over this month, uh, one of the most quoted poems will be that of Robert Frost, The Road Less Traveled, when he, especially in the verse, penned these words, I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Well, that seems easy for Robert Frost to write. How did he know which road to take? When when the roads diverge, and, and there are many choices in many directions, How do we know which road to take? Is it simply the one less traveled? Well, certainly there is some spiritual allegory there because Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to destruction and many are on it. Narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So it could be a matter of just taking that road less traveled by. But there are some graduates here this morning and there are some uh, adults here that are saying, It's not that easy making choices about what direction. Where do I go from here? Maybe we hear not the words of Robert Frost, but Yogi Berra come to mind. You know, the great Yogi Berra said, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. (laughs) And, And we're saying, what does that mean, Yogi? Along with many other things that he said. 
What does that mean when I come to a fork in the road? Take it. What direction do I take? Where do I go from here? In Acts chapter 16, we find the Apostle Paul and Silas, and now with Timothy on board, churches are being strengthened. If you go back to verse 5, we see that good things were happening. The churches were strengthened in the faith. They increased in number daily. Good things, exciting things were happening in the life of the church. As many of these who have just graduated would say, man, we've been seeing some good things, exciting things, wonderful things have been happening. I hate for it to end here. I just Maybe I'd like to double back and do some of the same things. Experiencing ministry success, it seems that Paul was ready to double back one way and then kind of double back the other way, and the Lord just wouldn't let him go in the direction that he thought was the plan at that time. And here's what Paul discovered. God's plan was bigger than Paul's plan. God's plan was bigger than Paul's plan. Now, when things do not go as you plan them, and it doesn't matter if you're here this morning and you are in high school or in middle school or in college or maybe if you have been in a career for 20, 30, or 40 years, there will be many times that things do not go as you planned them to go. As a matter of fact, we'll hear these students as they walk up here and they'll talk about what their major is going to be when they go into college. And I've got news for you, young people. I don't say this to scare you, but nine times out of ten, by the end of your freshman year, you have changed your major. Somewhere along the way, you say, well, maybe God is leading me in a different direction. And so when things don't go as you have planned, always keep in mind that God's plans are bigger than your plans. His will is that He would be glorified in your life by you knowing Him and praising Him and serving Him and making Him known to others. And that will be God's missional will, and I use that word missional because God's plan for your life and for my life, whatever age we are today, God's plan for your life and for my life is to use us in a way that we will glorify Him and make Him known to those around us. So whatever it may be, it is missional. God's will for your life is a missional will, to know Him and to make Him known, and then the rest of the details are you discovering where that is to take place. What is the venue for my knowing Him and making Him known? What college should I go to in order to know Him and make Him known? What vocation should I choose? What ecclesiastical call? You say, well, that's for, for you and for Pastor Ben and, and for, for those who have said they're called into vocational ministry. No, no, no that's, not, that's not the case. There is a calling to serve in a local church for every born-again believer. We're part of the body of Christ. God has given us spiritual gifts And so there is an ecclesiastical call. There is a church, a vocational calling in the local church for every one of you. And so college is not a time, by the way, young people, for you to get away from that. We were able to go to lunch with about a dozen college students a couple of weeks ago that had been in the ministry, the college ministry here at Trinity over the past year. And I remember hearing one young man testify to me specifically how much this church had meant to him for his first year of college. Unfortunately, so many people use that time just to check out on God. But it should be the time that you are drawing 
closer to Him than ever before. And there is a calling, a place to serve in a local church wherever you go. To be a part of that, God's will, God's plan. It applies to all of what we would call the small stuff in life too. We're there missionally to know Him, to serve Him, and to make Him known. So how do we keep from missing out on God's missional will for our lives? How do we get in on what He has planned for us? Well, I want you to see something in these verses we read just a moment ago. And the first one just kind of jumps off the page at me. Every time I read this passage, every time I preach this text, there's something that I just can't escape when it comes to to serving God and getting in on what He has for us. And that is we are to walk in step with the Spirit. We're to walk in step with the Holy Spirit of God. In verse 6, we see that Paul had planned to go in a certain direction. But it says that they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the Word in Asia, the region that was known as Asia there in the Roman Empire. That was a, a way that they could have double backed in a particular direction. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm not going to let you do that. It was their plan, and by the way, it was a good plan, but it wasn't God's best plan. God had something bigger in mind. So many times, young people, we think that, hey, listen, it's a choice between that which is good and that which is bad, and I'm a good kid, so I'm going to choose that which is good. But sometimes in life, you're going to discover that you have to make a choice between that which is good and that which is God's best. And I pray for you Every young person here, and those of us who are middle-aged and even older, I pray that we would not settle for that which is good when God says, I have something better. The devil doesn't want you to just choose the bad over the good. He wants you to choose the good over God's best. Again, in verse 7, it seems as if they're trying to double back now in a different direction. They had come to Maja. They tried to go to Bithynia. But the Spirit did not permit them. Now, in some of your translations, they use the phrase, the Spirit of Jesus. And some of our earliest, most reliable manuscripts of the book of Acts actually have it worded that way. It's the Spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God. And this is so important for you in every area of life. The Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, I'm going to ascend, He says, I'm going to send another of the same kind. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, will be the very presence of Christ with you and with me. That's how Jesus could say, and lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the earth. He is with us by His Holy Spirit living in us. Paul had already submitted to the call to walk with Jesus. And he's walking with Jesus in the presence of the Holy Spirit. The other disciples earlier on, when Jesus called them, he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, walking with Jesus gets us in on his missional will for our life. And I'll say it again, his will is always a missional will. Do not expect to find peace of life and extraordinary joy if you're not walking with Jesus. 
See, see whether you're, you're working your way through college. Where am I going to go to college? What do I want to major in? What classes do I want to take? What career have I chosen? Then what spouse are you bringing into my life? Who am I supposed to marry? And when we get married, where are we supposed to live? What are we supposed to do for a living? In all of those things... We're to say, Lord Jesus, I'm taking you by the hand and I'm going to walk with you because in walking with you, I will not miss out on what you have in store for me. But if you're trying to find joy and find peace and find fulfillment in life and you have turned your back on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're not walking with Him, you're going to miss out on it. You're going to miss out on it. There are different types of little children. We just saw a lot of kids run out of here just a moment ago. There are some kids that when they're real little, and you know who you are and which type you were. There are some kids that when they're real little, they grab onto mom or dad's pants legs. You know, if you go to, let's use the the zoo, for example. You go and you visit the zoo, which could be a a very uh, eye-opening place for a child. You go in to visit the zoo, there are some kids that just want to hold mom or dad's leg. They just want to kind of hold tight because everything's a little overwhelming. Everything's a little scary. There are other kids, and there were a lot of them in this group that just ran out, that you've got to keep an eye on them because they'll wander off. Anybody got children that like to just wander off? They disappear from you. Where did they go? Wow. I know some of you do because you left them here at church before. <laughs> You have kids that just kind of wander off. And what they don't understand when they're little in their finite minds, you're at a place, say, like the Atlanta Zoo or the Georgia Aquarium. There are things they're going to miss. If if they're close to you, you're going to lift them up and you're going to point things out and you're going to show them things and you're going to explain explain certain things to them. Because they are close to you, they get in on everything because with great excitement, great joy, you've been there before, you've been a child before, you're kind of living, reliving your childhood through them. You're enjoying showing them everything. You've got to see this, you've got to look, oh, you're missing this, look over there. You have a perspective and a knowledge and a wisdom. You can point things out to them they would miss if they tried to venture out on their own. But the other thing is, if they venture away from you, you become very concerned about their safety. You become fearful for what might happen to them. They don't understand. They could get in trouble if they get away from you. Listen, young people, those of you who are just graduating from high school especially, there's going to be a temptation. This is a wonderful time of discovery in your life. There's going to be a temptation to say, let me wander away from Jesus because I want to try some things. I want to experiment with some things. I want to get involved in some things. Let me get away from Jesus. Let me get away from what what he wants me to do because I want to see, I want to experience, I want it to be a wonderful journey. There's a couple of things. First of all, just like that child at the zoo, you're in danger of missing out on what God really wanted to show you. He's already seen everything. And he wants to show you so much more than what this world has to offer. He wants to lift you up and say, you've got to see this. You've got to experience this. There are going to be some young people who are walking with God who said, yes, I'm ready to go on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic and they're going to see God work and experience some things that they could have missed out on. But God says, that's the way your life is. I want to show you things. I want you to get in on some things. And then, if we wander off, we're also taking ourselves out from under God's hand of protection and we find ourselves getting in trouble and find ourselves miserable because we're missing out on His will, His calling on our life. It's a Spirit-filled life. Now, you say, well, 
how do I get in on this Spirit-filled life? How do, I, how do I get in? How do I walk with the Spirit? My mentor, Dr. Bill Bennett, gave me three verses to encourage me as a, as a Christ follower to, to, to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to give you just three quick points that hinge on these verses so you can say, hey, I can walk in the Spirit this way. Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are to receive the filling of the Spirit on a daily basis, submitting ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, Holy Spirit of God, just as I had faith that Jesus died for me and rose again, I believe that you can fill me now and live the resurrected life through me. So we're to receive the filling. Secondly, we're to respect the feelings of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a force like Star Wars. The Holy Spirit is the person of Jesus Christ living in you and me is the very Spirit of Christ. And the Holy Spirit has feelings. And so we're told in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed until the day of redemption. I, I remember I learned this before... I ever graduated from high school. I was glad that someone shared this verse with me when I was in a football locker room in high school. And certain conversations would go on, and I would say, if I get involved in that conversation, I will grieve the Holy Spirit. I'll break the Holy Spirit's heart. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, as Paul was admonishing the church at Corinth to avoid sexual immorality. He said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received of God. So when you engage in that behavior, it grieves the Holy Spirit. And so we receive the feeling, we respect the feelings of the Holy Spirit, and then we release the freedom of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. When the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart and in your life to, to move in a certain direction and away from another direction... You can make a choice. And by the way, how do we put out a fire? A couple things you need to do if you want to extinguish a fire. You need to remove oxygen or take away the fuel source. And see, the Word of God is that fuel source. We're to be in the Word of God under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, having a daily quiet time studying the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit is the oxygen, the very breath of God that breathes fire into that fuel source. And so don't quench that. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't say, I'm not listening to that anymore. But walk in the Spirit and, and fan into flame, into flame what, what God has already begun in you. Now, at this point, the Apostle Paul, Silas, Timothy, they were already committed. They were surrendered. They were walking in the Spirit but then they still had to make a very practical decision. Lord, where are you leading us? We understand your general will. We're to bring glory for you, and we're to preach the gospel. But God, be more specific. Where do we go from here? And this is where I want to encourage you. This is our, our second point overall. Seek vision and direction as you journey. Seek vision and direction as you journey. Look at verse 9. In the midst of this, see, what did I say earlier? If God closes a door. If, if your plan is not His plan, it's because He's got a bigger plan. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. This is likely a dream because it's taking place at night. And it says, a man appeared. A vision from God. A calling 
from God, direction from God, almost always relates to the spiritual and eternal impact your life will have on others. Because, by the way, when we do leave this world and we stand before Jesus one day, the only thing that will count for time and eternity, it will not be the degrees that you have on the wall in your office. I can take my degrees and go up to Burger King, and if I've got a buck 19, those degrees will get me a cup of coffee. See, you can't take that with you. It will not be the the prestige of the job that you get one day. It will be the eternal impact you had on the lives of people, spiritually speaking. And so a vision from God almost always relates to the spiritual and eternal impact that you have on people. So what happens? We're walking in the Spirit. We're being informed by Scripture. We're committed to this life of eternal impact, to the revealed will of God. We already know those things in the Scripture that we're to be about according to the will of God. Things like personal holiness, pleasing God in every way, As we talked about in our life group this morning, loving God and loving people, that's the will of God. We're engaged in the the broad and general will of God. Witnessing and worshiping and serving Him. And then the direction needs to get a little bit more specific. Okay, (laughs) Lord, I know all that. I know the Sunday school answers. I I know what I'm, I'm supposed to be doing, generally speaking, but God, i got some specific decisions to make. When am I going to get married? Where am I going to work? And then, you know, maybe there's somebody here, you're like, at midlife going, where am I going to spend the rest of my life working? And this is where we've got to be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit has given us a vision and direction as we journey. And I want to give you three more things to look for under this second point. Look for a prompting. The prompting, that we might call it the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps it's a vision like Paul had here. Maybe it's a vision that prompts you to move in a particular direction. Maybe it's an open door or maybe it's a closed door. God God may close the door on opportunity and you would say, I thought for sure that was the will of God. And he just simply closes the door and says, obviously this is not my will, this door is now closed. And he opens another door. And remember, it's okay for your feelings to be servants. They're not emotions make horrible masters, but they make wonderful servants. And so maybe you'll just feel really strongly compelled to move in a certain direction. See, if the Holy Spirit can be grieved, certainly the believer can feel very strongly about a call in their life. Maybe it's a passion, a feeling of great desire to do something for God. Well, God God speaks very objectively. He doesn't work with our emotions. He doesn't work with our desires. He doesn't work with our passions. That's not true. 1 Timothy 3, verse 1. I was so glad when a deacon in this church shared this verse with me. It says, He who desires the office of a bishop desires a good thing. I remember when I was about 19 years old before I really nailed down, yes, I'm called into vocational ministry. I remember struggling with that because I had heard all these testimonies. You've heard the testimonies. God was calling me to preach and I was running from Him. 
God was calling me to the mission field and I was running from him. But he sent the hounds of heaven and he ran me down and he got hold of my life and he turned me around. See, the problem that I had at that time in my life, from about age 16 to age 19, I wanted to do ministry. And I thought, well, I must not be called because I want to do this. There were some people that had an impact in my life in Fellowship of Christian Athletes and in student ministry here at this church. And I said, I want to have that same kind of influence in the lives of others. I want to make disciples. I remember sharing with a man, I want to be a, I want to be a youth pastor, but I want to be a missionary. But I want to be a preacher. I want to preach and teach the Word of God. But I want to be a Bible teacher and maybe in a, in a college setting. And, and I had all these things I wanted to do, and he made this statement. He said, you just keep doing what you're doing. You'll probably do it all. And I'm not as young as I used to be, but I'm a relatively young man. And all those things I had a passion and a desire to do, God has allowed me to get the opportunity to do all of those things. Psalm 37 and verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you a desire to do His will, and then in seeking His will, He'll give you the desires of your heart. It may be a word of knowledge that prompts you. Somebody comes up to you with a word of wisdom in the church, and they say, I can see you. I can see you leading worship. I can see you as a missionary. And they begin to prompt that vision in your life. Henry Blackaby, in Experiencing God, says God will bring you to a moment of crisis. And it's not always a bad crisis or a scary crisis, but it's a crisis nonetheless. He will bring you to a burning bush moment where, where God is speaking to you in the midst of that crisis saying, listen, I used this to get your attention. Now that I got your attention, here's what I want you to do. So be, be sensitive as you seek a vision and as you seek direction as you journey, be sensitive to the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. And look for a peace. Look for a peace about what God is doing. This man from Macedonia, he pleaded with him. He said, come over here and, and help us. Now, if God gives you a vision for people crying out for help, He's probably not going to let you have a peace until you go and help. It's not going to let your spirit rest. And after these after this, after he had seen the vision, this is verse 10. Immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us. Concluding. That word, concluding, is a math word. So we have prompting and we have a peace. But peace does not mean uncalculated peace. This is, this is math language. Concluding, calculating. In other words, when we put two and two together, it became obvious this is what God was saying to us. When we put two and two together, we gained a greater understanding. We looked at what others were speaking into our life. The Holy Spirit closed this door, opened this door. We Listen, I believe that God speaks supernaturally to us. And I believe that we have a peace that passes all understanding when we're in the will of God. But that does not mean Christians check their brains at the door. As a matter of fact, we probably need them to say, Lord, here's what I see happening. And... As I engage this brain that you've given me, I'm putting two and two together. doesn't mean that you won't take a chance. doesn't mean that Christian life is without risk. But you put two and two together and you conclude, you calculate, you say, Lord, I believe this is the choice you would have me make. And I am at peace with that. When someone finishes a math quiz or a math test and they've calculated everything out, they go back and they look over it. Right? You go back and you look over your answers. <laughs> Some of you have an exam next week in math. And when you review, if you don't have a peace, you say, I don't feel good about that answer. 
you wait, you, you, you take a little bit longer to maybe turn it in. You, you refigure it. So there's some calculating, there's some concluding going on here. Open doors, closed doors, the way people are speaking into my life. This is where I have a peace. I have a prompting of the Holy Spirit. I have a peace in my heart. And finally, let's not forget, and, and young people, older people, <laughs> all people, let's not forget finally there is a purpose in what we're doing. And if you get away from this purpose, you're straying away from God's missional will for your life. What was the purpose? He concluded that we were to go there to preach the gospel to them. But pastor, I'm not called to be a gospel preacher. Listen, not all of us are called into vocational ministry. But all of us are called to know Him and make Him known. And as I said before, His will always, almost always includes spiritual and eternal impact on others. Don't forget what you are there for. You know, a lot of people when they go to college, this happens all the time. A lot of people, but well, let's, let's talk about a different group first. There are some people when they go to college, they are, they're only looking for a party school. I mean, let, let's just go to college and let's party. Man, this, this school has a great reputation. It's, it's a party school, man. They have fun before the football games. They get crazy. It's a party school and I'm going to blow my parents' money. There are some that actually go with that purpose. But there are so many others that go with great intentions. I'm going to take my stand. I'm going to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to be a witness for Him. I'm going to make good grades. <laughs> I'm going to live in a way that would honor my family and honor my God. But when they get there, they get distracted. And they get caught up in the things of this world. And they stray from that purpose. And they miss out on God's missional will. Listen, that's not just for students to hear this morning. Whether you're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years old, this world wants you to get caught up in the things of this world and distracted from your purpose. So you think about your vocation today. Where do you work? Where do you live? Where do you serve? You have a missional purpose. You say, well, I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I'm a homeschooler. You might have one of the most important missional purposes of anybody. I'm a public school teacher, private school teacher. You've been given a wonderful mission field. Well, I work in a factory. And I, work, I work in a place where I'm beside the same two people every day, all day long. You have a missional purpose. God has you there to be salt and light for His glory. So we're to... Walk in the Spirit and seek vision and direction. Be sensitive to those inner promptings. Look for that peace from God that passes all understanding and stay true to your purpose and your calling. Would you bow your heads with me? I wonder if without anybody looking around right now, heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, would you just... Just get honest with God. And maybe there's somebody here this morning that would say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm truly seeking God's, God's will, God's direction in my life. Pray for me that I walk in the Spirit. That I become sensitive and obedient to His inner promptings in my life. Would you just raise your hand and say, pray for me this morning. I don't want to miss out on what God has for me. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You that it is truth that lights our path. 
Now I pray You would empower us to walk in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you to stand as we sing a song of invitation this morning.